Hello, everyone. It is uh, 6 p.m. Uh, on a Sunday night. We're doing a weekend, a special weekend, end of weekend, p.m. edition uh, versus Media Live. This is episode 26, and we're fist bumping the Habibi brothers. We have uh, Siraj Hashmi and Muhadad Kobe, um, better known to you guys on Twitch and throughout the Twitterverse as the Habibi brothers. I wanted to have them on because I wanted to offer a fist bump. And I wanted to um, congratulate them on their uh, success and their people's success of embarrassing uh, our president, Yosef Brandon, over the past couple of weeks. Uh, of course, our media chose not to go full, what about your gaffes, like they did with Romney on Biden honoring the Holocaust, um, comparing uh, the, the Irish struggle with the British Empire to Hamas, which was, a, that was a fun one. Um, and then, of course, on his way to uh, Saudi Arabia, where he met with MBS and not only met with him, but gave him a nice, brotastic fist bump. Uh, and they didn't they, they kept the MBS and his crew kept the bone saws out of sight. So uh, we couldn't see anything. Biden ignored several questions on uh, Jamal Khashoggi, who was obviously the Washington Post journalist that disappeared and uh, more than enough evidence, although I'm sure Shiraj and Jay will uh, dispute that evidence, um, that he was uh, assassinated by a hit squad uh, on orders, direct orders of MBS. And this is a topic that our media is not going to let go. It's now been three three years, and I, and I said on my podcast, and I guess we'll just light a firecracker again, uh, I'm, I'm running out of reasons to care about Jamal Khashoggi. Um, <laughs> And I can't imagine too many more people still care about it at this point either. Uh, I guess I would say to the media who this is going to be an issue for the next 20 years. Every time a U.S. president meets with MBS or Saudi Arabia, it's going to be Jamal Khashoggi. And um, I'm sorry, I, just, I, I think people think that there are other things going on in this world. So not not to uh, be insensitive. And, and just for the record, I, I am uh, against bone sawing human beings. Um, I, I know Siraj and Jay will have a different opinion on that. Um, depending on the human being, of course. Um, I, I just think that this is has run its course, but it's still an obsession of our media, as we saw during this trip. Yosef uh, Brandon, our president, obviously described MBS in Saudi Arabia as a pariah during the election. And as we've seen with him over and over and over again, he contradicts himself once he's in office. And you know, I, I know people kind of look at this seven compared to Trump, but Biden is an old school politician. He is a good old fashioned just lying scumbag politicians, an establishment Democrat. So he's one of those guys who makes promises and then he gets in office and reverses on everything, including, like he said, curing cancer or trying to cure Alzheimer's. But the good news is he probably doesn't remember any of that. So I thought I would bring on the Habibi brothers and to get their thoughts on our embarrassing president on a world stage. And like I said, as, as much as I hate to do this as a red-blooded American, I thought I would congratulate them on their on their stunning victory over our president with applesauce brains who uh, could barely stay awake. And it's just a good thing his eyeball didn't pop out of his head during this trip. So uh, I'll introduce them. Jay, Siraj, welcome. Congratulations on your victory. Thank you. Uh, As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. I just want to state for the record that Jay and I did not hijack this podcast. It was given to us willingly. Mm-mm. No, we're not. We're 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 going to take this podcast and fly it into uh, two buildings of success. 
it's we did launch it, but I don't know how to land this podcast. So that's a good thing. I, I, we will one day, inshallah, we'll figure it out. Uh, guys, did you did you enjoy your stunning victory over President Brandon? Are you, have you guys been taking many victory laps, um, firing many rounds into the air, uh, many many bombings? How have you guys have been, taken... how, how have you guys been celebrating uh, our president's kind of? Uh, embarrassment for not making you a pariah. Uh, How are your people celebrating? Have take it. We, we've been oh, go celebrating ahead, on rooftop, rooftops of New York. I, sir, have been celebrating on the New Jersey rooftops. It's it's a stunning victory for, for Arabs everywhere to see uh, an American president look like a clown. And I just want to say that uh, Jay and I are certainly honored that uh, for for Steve's inviting us on, but also ensuring that he we stick to what we know, and that is uh, Muslim issues, and um, <laughs> uh, also ensuring that we are the go to for the Versus Media live podcast on everything Muslim. And, well, and it's and I think it's still a Shabbat, so I don't, I don't think there are any Jews out there listening. So I wanted to, I wanted to protect you as much as possible. Um, I wanted, I wanted to as as much as a friend of I am of the Jews. I did not want a, a holy war breaking out on this podcast. So I think that that's a good reason why we did this uh, on sundown on a Sunday night. So the odds of you guys confronting any mortal enemies, um, especially after uh, it was reported that. Flights are resuming from Israel to Saudi Arabia that you guys can't be too happy about that. Um, but then we learned that the Saudi foreign minister said that that's not true. And this is another thing that happened is uh, the two takeaways from this summit was uh, Biden was supposed to go to talk to the Saudi Arabian council to ramp up oil production. And then we learned that that topic did not even come up. And the second was... Uh, once Biden left, the Saudi foreign minister kind of just shit all over the talking points that the White House sent out about uh, the great success that he had. Um, so, uh, again, this this feels like amateur hour for, you know, the third string backbenchers in the Obama administration, which no offense. I know he's one of you, um, but <clears throat> it does it does kind of feel like, you know, we were told the adults are back in charge and it feels like we just have the Obama millennials back in charge. No, that's exactly right. And what was really funny about this as well is how the media was taking it, because you would see if if Trump had a gaffe with a foreign leader, no matter who that foreign leader was, the media was backing that leader when it, when it was Russia, when it was China, when it was whatever. Over here, it's uh, I think uh, the, our favorite Max Boot wrote a wrote, wrote an article saying to get to cut to cut Biden slack over his MBS trip. When just recent, I mean, when uh, he had he had a different tune when Trump was there, he he was saying Trump's corrupt foreign policy coddle the dictator, abuse the ally. I'm just are, are you are that. you are you suggesting that Max Boot is not intellectually consistent? I know it's it it might be a shock to your listeners, especially coming on this coming on to, to this podcast, but yes. Come. He is intellectually corrupted. <laughs> so the way I look at it is, for one, um, now, Jay and I are not necessarily pro-Bonesaw, 
But if it's used against the right target, right. like, so you're, say, for So we're anti-anti-bone so anti saw. Yeah, so we're being anti-anti-bone saw, which is the same as being anti-anti-Trump, which is obviously way more fun. And, you know, not, it, it can get a bit messy. But if we're using it on, say, things like pedophiles, then I think that's, that's, that's fair, right? And, and, and honestly, if you listen to how MBS talks about Jamal, Jamal was a pedophile. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> and we're canceled. And, and, and yeah. this, is, this is the first time I'm ever hearing about this Jamal character. I don't even know who this person is. <laughs> no, I think probably the funny that maybe the... the, the apparently apparently he worked on YouTube with some songs, I guess. I, I don't... I never read any of his work or anything like that. I actually... No, no, no bullshit here. I actually met Jamal Khashoggi as a lib reporter in my early lib days. I want to say in like 2015 or 2016 at some sort of like institute. And uh, he was very nice. And I had no idea he was a Washington Post columnist. Um, he was just. Or else you would have killed him right then and there and not waiting. Uh, exactly. Jack, that's exactly what I would have done. Well, the good news is, is there's still the plenty of Washington Post columnists you can bone saw. Uh, Shall we make a list, Jay? You want to make sure you, you make, guys I go mean, from, I know we're known for lists. <laughs> Washington Post columnists from, you can rank them who who deserves to be bone sawed the most to least. Okay, so the most is Taylor Lorenz. I think we can all agree on that. That's like number one. And I hope she's listening right now. Like, un, uninvited, right here, right now, Taylor Lorenz. I mean, who the fuck says that they need to set their, their thermostat at 98 degrees in the summertime? That'll you guys, you guys are used to that, though, right? In your part of the world, this is true. AC. Yes, we have AC, sir. Like our government pays for AC to run twenty four seven in our countries. Good old non tax money. They don't do In Pakistan, no, they they want you to suffer. Okay, so then who's who's after Lorenz? Who are we going with? Who's the second most? Let's let's say we'll top that. We'll top the list out at five. So Lorenz okay. is the most to least. So who, where are we to? Are we at Ruben, or are you are you keeping Ruben for the afterlife, Siraj? Yeah, Ruben is untouchable. We are not. She is a queen. She will be treated as such. And if any harm were to befall, Siraj, her, are you going to be rewarded? Jay's getting bone sawed. I'm sorry. Seventy-two Jennifer Rubens in the afterlife. Inshallah. What do you have to do to earn that? Um, Bone saw Taylor Lorenz. You know, if I don't know if I (laughs) were supposed to do anything differently, but I imagine that what I'm doing right now will hopefully earn me 72 Jen Rubens in the afterlife. 72 gin rooms. I could not. But Glenn Kessler's up there. Glenn Kessler's up on that list. He's got to be. Glenn Kessler. Oh, absolutely. As a, as the, 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 like him and and Dan, Daniel Dale, what I call. He's not on the Washington Post, Jay. No, no, I'm talking about. Jay, he's not on the Washington Post. Fact checkers. Oh, okay. I know that. I'm talking about fact checkers. Fact checkers. Okay. So you're just like expanding that list to like everyone. I uh, everyone who has journalists as their as their occupation, yes, 
That's, so that's where it's exciting. Too. We don't have we don't uh, have enough time to include every journalist we'd like you you no. you would like to see bone sought. Let me correct that. Uh, um, yes. So so where are we then? So, so Glenn, first, Glenn Kessler for sure is up. Glenn is Kessler, up uh, Max Boot has probably got to be on that list. Uh, on the list, I mean, because his fact checking. And when we say bone saw, Jay, when we say bone saw, we mean just like cut away from their uh, responsibilities as journalists, of course. Yeah, by bone sawing their their hands off. So. <laughs> <laughs> and then also the their media their media journalist what, Maria what what's her name Maria. I forget her name. Jay, if you don't know the name, you can't bone saw them. How would you even know them? Well, on the we can do it. They they have this fucking smell on them, like Washington Joe, Washington Post journalists. You could just smell it on them. And then, of course, Max Boot is number three. I oh, think yeah, Max Boot is definitely going to be number three. Uh, I'm curious because, like. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know where you, both of you stand on this, but um, is is now everyone is is are people now pro Dave Weigel because of uh, the way uh, the whole Felicia Sonda saga unfolded, or, or are we are no. still anti Weigel? No, it's still anti Weigel. It doesn't matter that he. It, I mean, you could always be on somebody's corner when when something like that happens, for sure. But as mm-hmm. as he is as a journalist, fuck no, absolutely not. He's one of the he's he's in the top five too. Especially because when you can watch the 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 one thing that I think journalists did wrong is show their hand so completely under Trump. Every little thing was turned up to fucking eleven to eighteen, uh, and then now they're just mellowed out when when Biden does anything similar, and. And David is one of those one of those journalists. Absolutely. Okay, that's fair. Um, let's let's gonna jump in. We're gonna we're gonna start taking callers, um, and they can offer their various opinions on journalists who deserve to be bone sought, and uh, or anything else. So we don't we don't really have a topic. So, uh, but if you guys would like, you know, th- this is a chance for you to uh, to speak to some genuine. Uh, people on that side who, you know, us conservatives, you know, when we see, uh, we see them in groups, we kind of get a little skittish. So don't be, don't be scared of them. I, I promise they're friendly. Um, this whole day thing, is the only one who bites. Biden, did anything. So I was thinking about this today. Did anything with Biden's trip top Steve Bannon from, I think like Trump's first trip was over there and uh-huh. Steve Bannon went with him. And there's that mm-hmm. there's that scene with all the guys kind of like dancing around Steve Bannon, and he just looks terrified. He's just like <laughs> looking for the exits. <laughs> I I looked this gif up today, and I was still just laughing at this. Like it was like Trump's first foreign policy trip was over to the Saudis to thank him for rigging the voting machines, and <laughs> so you see you see Steve Bannon, and he's just surrounded by these dudes, and he just is like he's terrified he's looking around and he's trembling he's looking for the exits um there was nothing that good on this trip from uh from brandon um but he still has a couple years left god willing inshallah um so we're gonna we're gonna jump in we're gonna take some callers 
and we'll try to go for about 45, 50 minutes. Cause um, I, I, you know, we all, it's our weekend. We all have places to be. And I know you guys have bombs to make. So we're not going to go like too terribly long here, but uh, we'll take as many callers that want to jump on this. Um, feel free to add, direct your questions to the Habibi brothers. Cause I'm going to just sit here and nurse a sore throat. So Faye is that we like Faye. So, so guys, Faye is one of our regulars. So Faye. I'll, oh, I'll, hi I'll, Faye. I'll, nice to meet you. Hey, Faye. Nice to meet you too. You seem like such competent gentlemen. It's so nice of you to let's come just on. Say, let's uh, just say they don't miss their flights. <laughs> it's Siraj. He misses like everything. Um, so <laughs> just just for the record, Stephen, I am. Uh, I would like to consider myself a founding member of the Habibi Dumb from from the very beginning back in March 2020. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm proud to subscribe to all of you with varying levels of pride. Um, and I know that you're <laughs> resting, Stephen, but I, I do kind of have to wonder what happened to have you lower your standards like this. I mean, throwing <laughs> a pity podcast would be one thing, but, you know. Um, I, I'm pay- I had to pay them. Yeah, and- <laughs> but I, it's okay, though, because I paid them in shekels. It's useless. <laughs> Could only use them in Israel. Yeah. And um, Siraj, we all know what kind of quote unquote institute you met Khashoggi at. You're not fooling anybody. And just because they kicked you out before they went to the flight school part of it, we still know. <laughs> um, that being said, I, I do actually have a serious question. I'm just getting back online, or I did on Thursday after about three weeks offline, more or less. Um, I was on my, my first real vacation um, since before COVID. And so I, my husband convinced me to give kind of everything online a little break, too. Um, and what struck me in talking to people in other countries, you know, really maybe only one of whom I would classify as conservative is how everyone is kind of thinking, okay, like what is going on with you over in America, (laughs) especially like your presidency now, right? You know this. And of course, you know, one person's experiences are an indicative of anything on a, on a large scale, but it kind of got me thinking about how our media until recently when as you know Stephen has talked about this in his podcasts um like everyone's finally okay you know Biden's out now we're gonna suddenly agree that oh yeah he's old and losing it um but until then that wasn't the case and I think there have been so many things especially in the past couple years where the media have just gaslit to an incredible degree and so my question is for all and, and it's turned so many people off people who aren't conservative at all and I think even some people who used to define themselves as on the left. So is there any kind of one event or story that you can think of that really more than any others was sort of the tipping point and kind of pulling the, the, the carpet out from under the media and the way people see them and saying like, Hey, we're, we're being lied to here. Like in history, like in the, in the, that we can remember off the top of our head or is it just with brain? Um, in, Anything in the past, like, I would say two, three years. Uh, summer 2020 riots, George Floyd, in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. Uh, most uh, public health officials in conjunction with the media came forward and said it's uh, it's obligatory for everyone to go protest racism because racism is a public health crisis. In the middle of a fucking pandemic where we didn't know what was what. And there they come and say, you know what? Go out in the streets, go protest. Uh, don't worry about the spread of COVID. Fuck all that shit because racism is the biggest public health crisis. See, I, that's I, I think, actually, the, the, the turning point. Yeah, to build on that, I actually I agree with that. Where it was, everybody did everything right. We shut down businesses, we stayed home, we closed schools. 
And then the George Floyd thing happens and they all just go like, we we're free. We're out. And I actually think that for a good portion of those people protesting, that was their, they didn't give a shit about what happened with George Floyd. That was their excuse to, to break the rule and get out. That was them saying, we're, we're done. We're, we're done with the pandemic. We're done being locked down. We're going to hit the streets and we're going to finally get out. And by the way, you can't because you're the bad people. You're the racists. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and I think some other other media stories from from that time as well was the the Coveny, the Covington kids uh, story, um, the uh, Brett Kavanaugh hearings, um, and also the the kid that went uh, the, that that shot a couple of uh, pro- protesters. Kyle Rittenhouse. Rittenhouse. So I think I think those three those three uh, media stories as well as the um, the the riots radicalized a lot of people to see exactly what the media is and how they they uh, report on stories and how they can completely fabricate uh, uh, facts and and just mislead people on on a huge scale uh, as long as it fits the narrative that they want. Yeah. I, I don't watch cable news for news. I watch cable news for the narrative. And I think, I don't know if that was you who said that, Steve, but that if it was, that definitely left a mark on me because uh, basically, and I'm just going to give you credit for that, even though you probably, I have no idea if you said that or not. But when you remember that every single story that is given oxygen on cable news or within the corporate press, you always now have to ask yourself, what is the meaning behind this? What is the overall agenda that or that they're trying to advance? And I take everything with a grain of salt. And I, it's become very difficult to trust basically anything that comes out because I know, I come. know the story is going to change. Come, it's going to change in the next 24, 40 hours, with, if not the next week. This was also why the skepticism with this 10-year-old girl abortion story was warranted. And it's also why a lot of people doubted it, because Mm -hmm. we've run into this too many times. So even if it's later confirmed or details come out, which there's still some sketchy stuff around it. This is why I was trying to warn Frank Lutz about spiking the football, because the family's like defending the guy. So there's some weird shit going on with that story still. But this is why it was warranted, because with Jesse Smollett or with Covenant Catholic or, or any of that stuff, we're just trained to just, our bullshit detector goes up to 11 and it's up to them to bring it down. Not, you know, not us. And that's why that happened. I, and I, somebody wrote, I don't know if it was the Federalist or Spectator that said that that was, that's why so many people doubted the story because we just, we just don't trust you anymore. <laughs> we don't, we don't trust where you're, where we get our information from, period. We just don't do it. And so whenever a story like that comes out, a lot of people just go, huh, like what? And then more and more comes out. And then we're like, okay, well, that's good. Where were these details to begin with? Maybe the story should have been confirmed before it made it to President Applesauce Brains. Um, That's largely why that reaction happened. It was like, uh, we've seen too much of this to think right off the bat that you're telling us the truth. Uh, Faye, do you have do you have, a, do you have anything you want to uh, wrap up with, or any question or statement or whatever? Um, no, I just have one last question, and I'll I'll take that offline. But 
you know, we were wondering a number of us if Siraj will ever be sending out some postcards that are about two two years overdue at this point. So I hope you didn't wait for it. He, he's still waiting. He's, he's still that, waiting on the anthrax to include. Steve, <laughs> <laughs> I hope you got paid electronically. That's all I can say, Stephen. That, that yeah, money I hope it's not a say, Trust me, it's on its way. Uh, Steve is just he's 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 too, he's been. Two years late with that anthrax, and that's all I really need to just tie a bow on it. You you can make your own. It's not that hard. Uh, do you remember who I am, Steve? Just just remember. Just this, is, this, this is what I do now. All right, I failed. You. I failed out of getting into medical school. There's a reason for that, Steve. Okay. <laughs> I mean, well, if, Siraj was, if Siraj was really flying the plane on 9-11, it would have been nine twelve. <laughs> or he would have or he would have like taken out New Jersey uh, and we would all and we all would have been thanking him for that uh, fuck. that's true Chris welcome Chris is also, also one of our uh, my OGs so it's good to see it here from you how y'all doing hey Chris wonderful hey Chris how you doing really good man uh I just want to know if you guys are are actually kind of ghost uh, consultants for Max Boot. <laughs> <laughs> Tell him it's Chuck's late. But, but, yeah. but also, uh, wait, what did I, I actually didn't? Max Boot blocked me. What did he actually tweet? No, he, he wrote an I, article. I don't know. I'm was... banned from Twitter right now. That's another thing I want to bring Oh, up. shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> another J- happy... Jay, Jay knows that event. feeling. Uh, they have four, 14 or 15 different times. Jay, no, how, do you, how so... do you keep getting around a Twitter ban? They haven't, like, IP banned you or permanently suspended you. You just get the account banned, and so you start a new one. How do you keep getting around that? Jay has... Oh, no, they, they, you change, you change your Mac address? You change your IP... No, no. This is what Jay does. He has mastered the reach around. <laughs> uh, you would know. He reaches around that band. Yeah. Very, very. He, he reaches well, around that very easily. I, I've been permanently banned uh, off of my my very first account, which is really funny because I, I know you know Seth Mendel, and he's the reason why I got banned in the first place. Because oh, here we go. Coming with the, so you're blaming the Jews. He's coming yeah, well, and blaming Jews. Listen, it, it is his fault. But there's this, there's this, uh, or their fault. There's this, uh, there was this article that came out that was stating that under international law, the Palestinians have every right to kill as many Jew, as many Israelis as they want. And then, of course, uh, what's what's his name? Uh, Hassan from uh, NBC was was tweeting it. So Seth Meyers commented I- on it. And then I went underneath it, just giving out all the reasons why you can kill Jews. And he was he was a part of it. Like he he knew it was, it was being sarcastic, but I don't, I don't know if uh, his followers knew were it was you being sarcastic or were you uh, though? Hey, that's not what's in question. That's that's not what's in question right now. What's in question right now is whether or not <laughs> Seth thought it was <laughs> sarcastic, which he did, and he wrote an email to Twitter too, but. They banned they they outright right banned me banned me from that and the way I've been getting around it is every time I get banned I get a new phone uh, a brand new phone 
uh, a brand new number. Uh, you just have to do. You just have to work it in a different way because they do ban your IP address, and then you have to go through a VPN. You know, you can change your. You can also change your MAC address. So I know. I get that you probably, given your profession and your nationality, have access to all kinds of cheap cell phones. Yeah, I was just about to say, but, like, know, the reason why VPN, you can just change your MAC address, probably. The reason why JJ, because he gets to repurpose the old cell phone for more, let's just say, illicit activities that are wired to most of his vehicles. Look, I'm never going to get rid of that one phone because I have a, a voicemail from Osama bin Laden. Wishing me well and, and good luck. And I think that's the last time I've ever heard his voice. Alhamdulillah. Well, I'll get off here. That they, they banned me for trying to evade a permanent ban. And I've never been permanently suspended. And Have you thought about converting over to Islam? Oh, it works. 100% of the time that works. <laughs> well, that's, that's I, may, I may do it, but. If you guys or anybody listening can do anything to help me get back on, I'd appreciate it, and I'll get off here. I'll, I'll help you out. Well, I'll reach out to me on uh, on Discord or or uh, Instagram if you're on on uh, Instagram. Gab works too. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say grinder, but yeah, Gab, uh, Gab too. <laughs> Oh god. Hey Rev. You're you're on you're on with the Habibi brothers doing a vic, doing their Saudi Arabia Vicky oh, hey. for President Brandon. Hi. Can you hear me? Yep, you're good. We can, yes. Yes, yes, we can okay. hear you. I I wanted to ask uh, I heard your message a few days ago which really concerned me about your safety, Steve, and I wanted to see how you were dealing with the avalanche of hatred and threats of violence that Taylor Lorenz has unleashed at you if you're yes. in a safe, secure location. Yes, I, I haven't been able to go home yet. Um, there's still there's a CNN van outside and accusing me of being a Russian spy. Um, so I, I have relocated and I've also relocated my family Um uh, to get away from threats, and and I, they all they all carry a picture now of her on their person at all times. So, you know, should she be walking down the street or crawling up the side of the wall, they they know <clears throat> what she looks like and can get the fly swatter um, or the bone saw. Um, I'm glad I'm glad to hear that. I, I'm, I'm... It's it's hard. I'm trying to get through it. It's it's caused some severe PTSD. Um, it, it was, it's worse, it's worse than it, I, I was on January 6th. Um, and so I, I'm just, just trying to get through it. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's hard when, you know, a bully sends, you know, the entire internet after you, it's horrifying. Um, so, you know, just day by day, we're just trying to deal with it. I just, I don't appreciate, you know, bad faith attacks, um, you know, that are coordinated through a, a network harassment campaign. So, yeah. You, Thankfully, you were uh, I, I have a good peer group and um, a, a couple of, you know, Mujahideen hitmen guarding me at the moment. So uh, we're, I'm doing okay. Glad, I'm glad to hear that. Stay strong. The, the other thing I just wanted to say real quick was I, I heard your episode a few episodes ago. You were talking about Occupy Wall Street. 
and I had the same experience you did. I lived in the neighborhood five or 10 minutes walk from Zuccotti Park and I was working from home uh, and I had a very flexible schedule. So three or four times a week, I would, you know, go out for a couple hours in the afternoon with a camera. I ended up taking like seven or 8,000 pictures and I had the exact same experience as you that you'd go home and look at the media and they would be interviewing somebody that you had a conversation with, you know, that I had, I, I would talk to people there. I, I knew all the regulars. They were all out of their fucking minds. And and then you go and read, you'd see their picture in Newsweek or something. And it was a totally different, you know, it was totally glossed over. And like all of the insanity was, uh, was hidden. Um, it was fun though. I, I don't know if you remember the, uh, Oh no! It was it was definitely fun. It was it was fun if you could get over the smell. Yeah, but, but I mean, no, was, remember the, the it was you it, saw it was just like a fucking freak circus. There was that like, drummer with the stringy gray hair who was there every day. He was banging on the drums. And, you know, it was very interesting. It was like going to the circus. Yeah, every they afternoon. like they had a dude on a bicycle to generate electricity, like enough electricity oh, yeah. to make like a coffee, like I, a single I, I knew, coffee. They had totally jumped the shark when I talked to somebody there. I was like, hey, what are you doing? Oh, I'm composting for the for the winter. Yeah, that's pretty so much like, all they, they did. He actually oh, that's thought all they that fucking they, did was compost. They had a settlement. That's like all they did was <laughs> compost. <laughs> sure, but he really he really thought like this was some kind of permanent settlement. Like he was he was settling down uh to do organic farming or something. I have no idea. But yeah. So that's all. I wanted to share that because I'd heard you talk about it. Yeah, when you talk about incidences over the last few years that you just you just know that these, you know, media people and media are just lying to your face. Occupy was one. That was a big one. Kenny Crowley was a big one. I think that that was uh, a galvanizing moment. Um, and then, of course, when Romney lost, it was like, fuck it, blow everything up, which, you know, Jay and Siraj can attest to. Um, but, yeah, I mean... If you saw Occupy Wall Street, if you actually walked through it or lived through it and then you read the media about it and like the photographs and they're trying to pretend it's La Mis right down by the World Trade Center. That's the new World Trade Center, guys. Um, it just it was it was crazy. It was. Oh, I'm there. Go ahead and take Dave. Dave, Sunday night. You're on with the BB Brothers. What's happening? Not much. You can hear you. You're good. Hello, Habibi. Hey, it's good to talk to you finally, Steve. Right? You know, uh, calling you from the free state of Wyoming. Good to see the uh, the Habibi brothers on here. So, so guys, the Wyoming is a state, uh, the middle of the country. There's no natural landmarks to attack. Um, so yeah, pretty good there. Hey, hey I yeah. they do, you do have the you do have the Cheneys. They're a pretty big target oh, for Sarajevo. You don't have to worry about that. The Cheney's not here. Cheney lives in uh, Virginia. So, hey, I see we have 190-some callers. About 90 of those are feds with the brothers on here. So, you know, it's re- <laughs> they're, re- they're real easy to pick out, though. They'll all be wearing slacks, hats, and they'll, be, they'll, be, they'll have all the ideas for you and all the money and, all, and, uh, and they'll be pushing for you. So just, just, just a hat tip there. You know, uh, I, I just thought it was so unreal that, you know, that old bastard hadn't even touched down, probably hadn't even taken off from Saudi Arabia. And the Saudis came out and basically called him a liar on everything. And uh, I, I just, I just, I just never seen anything like that. 
I don't know what your guys' thoughts on, but they, they just basically shot down everything he had said and said, nope, that didn't happen. Nope, that didn't happen. Nope, that didn't happen. And then that then he then he comes back and just says that the, the foreign minister is just a liar. Uh, I, I, it was just it was just unreal. unreal. So here's the thing. So it used to be when you'd have your disagreements uh, within the country. But as soon as, you know, conflict hit beyond our shores, like you were pro-American. I am pro-Biden when he's abroad, because obviously I want America to be successful. But here's the catch. We are relying on a president right now who has an applesauce for brain, as Steve so eloquently put it, going up against a what? A late 30s, early 40s uh, crown prince who bone sawed a or ordered an assassination of a Washington Post journalist and got away with it. <laughs> I don't trust a word Biden says coming out of that meeting. I don't think he got anything in there. Um, and as much as I would like him to be successful, I just am not optimistic. Yeah, it was, I just thought it was amazing, though, that just, you know, a lot of those comments are usually kind of, you know, very um, uh, spun, if you will. But they just came right out and said, nope, 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 didn't talk about that, didn't talk about that, nope, didn't talk about that. And, and I, it just, I think it just shows the, the, the lack of respect we have. Now, I mean, I mean, I mean, what it must be like to those guys to sit down with him, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, the adults are back in they, charge. They, Dave. they just know they 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 know they can roll the dude. And yeah. this started with Afghanistan. This started with Afghanistan, where you know, as much as a face as our media puts on that, that was a catastrophe, unlike anything we've seen in our life. Where Joe Biden literally lost Afghanistan in eleven days. He lost 13 troops in retaliation. He, he drove strike eight kids and then lost the entire country. And you didn't have to be a fan of the Afghanistan war, or at least how it's been going on for 14 years. But I generally think Americans have a lot of pride where it's like, dude, what the fuck did you just do? And so Putin sees that and Putin says, you know, I invade Ukraine. And then people like NBS see this and go, yeah, this dude, we can just fucking roll this guy. And you really hope, no offense, Siraj and Jay, that Iran doesn't see this and go, eh, send one of our dudes across the border with a dirty bomb. Um, and that's it. And so that's the fear. Like the world, these guys, these autocrats and these dictators and crown princes and the royal family, they know they can just roll them. That's it. And like the whole purpose of this trip to go to Saudi Arabia was to talk about oil output. And then Saudi, the Saudis go, no, that never even came up. And like, you don't have a single journalist going, then why the fuck did you even go? <laughs> like, right. what? was it just for the fist bump? Because that's what it looks like, at least to me. And, and the first thing to come out of the, uh, the mouth of the White House was that uh, Biden brought up uh, Jamal. He brought him up. He brought, not talking about like what they really were supposed to talk about over there. And... He now, mind you, that meeting happened without media. So yeah, we're just it, supposed it, it to take we're supposed doors. to take the guy's word for it. Who, you know, lied about his placement in law school. Who basically lied about the guy who killed, you know, in the accident that killed his wife and kid, and lies about his biography. We're just like, oh, we'll take your word for it. And so that happened with no media. And so then Biden comes out and goes, oh, I talked to him about it. Like if that was your neighbor 
you you think the dude's full of shit. You go, no, I didn't see you. Like, what do you? No, it's taken care of. I did. Okay, we're just supposed to we're just supposed to take your word for it. Yeah, Taiwan's next. Uh, you know, they yeah. they <laughs> they know they've got two years. And for Tom Nichols, that that you know, that's a country there, just uh, in the South China Sea, right next to right next to the mainland China. <laughs> You know, so really the last thing I have is um, I, I need to hear the rating of, uh, of uh, you know, the, the House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, double D Democrat from California by the brothers. Only a double D? So that's a, that, that's a mommy milker she's got on her. That's a mommy milky rating. I give her a nine out of 11. For those guys, twin towers, for those twin towers that she's rocking, <laughs> hey, we ought to be careful because she is our next president. You know, the big conspiracy <laughs> theory is: hey, applesauce steps aside, Kamala lets her slide in. She's third in line, but she loses the midterms. We got President Pelosi coming in about January. <laughs> Honestly, uh, I, I think I think one president that has to be carbon dated is enough. <laughs> <laughs> President, I really appreciate. Finally, that. we'll have a president oh, I, who's richer than Trump in the Oval Office. Yeah. The only last thing I got is I see prison Mitch's on here. You bet. I, I I've already threatened you once, buddy. You better you better put out some content, or I'm taking that one dollar and I'm giving it to Stephen. That's all I got, guys. You should you should give me that one dollar anyway, Carlos, or, or or give it to us on our locals. Carlos, John with the BB Brothers. Hi, uh, yes, uh, you know, uh, long-time caller, first-time listener. Uh, I have two questions for the Habibi brothers. Uh, one, my first question is, what is the most, what is the biggest terrorist threat to America, Siraj's golf game or Jay's pronunciation of names? Um, that's my first question. Second question is, uh, as the Habibi bros know, uh, the whole uh, Ukrainian war is a uh, bit of a personal ho- hobby horse of mine. Uh, because you started it, right? I did. I did. In fact, um, sorry, sorry about that. Um, but uh, do you think people care anymore? What do you think the end game? Do you think anything's going to ha- come out of that? Is it going to stop once a new president's elected? What's you know? What do you think is going to happen from here on out? Jay, you want to you want to start off first with um, obviously your pronunciation of names being the downfall of uh, American democracy. Yeah, um, Car- Carlos, uh, thank you very much for bringing that up because uh, I think uh, the terrorist threat is you know us double teaming his golf game with my uh, bad pron- pronunciation with names because of course the golf ball will be uh, C four. Uh, and my mispronunciation of names will be the plane it rides on. Uh, and to your second que- your second question of uh, Ukraine, it does seem like it's it's fizzling out. I mean, I don't I don't remember the last time Jake Taper um, tweeted about it because he he was pretty big on um, on the the war in Ukraine. It's not the current and thing anymore. That's why Jay. That's that's where I was going. It it is not the current thing everyone it's always the next current thing 
the first current thing is is a current thing for the for five minutes until it's the next current thing. Yes, and I mean my golf swing is abysmal, but that's mostly the clubs, not uh, the the you know person swinging them. Um, ah, so you're blaming the clubs. So your clubs are Jewish, then, huh? Um, it would seem that way based on how they've treated me, uh, and the level of care and tenderness that I, uh, I give them. So, um, your words, not mine. Um, but yes. Uh, and then Ukraine, honestly, when it comes to this, it seems as if the war is, it's not a matter of if Ukraine is going to lose. It's just a matter of when. I just don't see any onus or any incentive for NATO, for the United States to get involved in a hot war with Russia. And I mean, why would they? We are a country that is sick of war. Uh, if if we were to get involved in a hot war in this economy, uh, knowing in the middle of what many libs would probably argue is that we're still in the middle of a pandemic. I honestly can't see how any Democrat would ever win office after that. Well, uh, to, to kind of bounce off that, I'd love to get into a hot, steamy war with you, Siraj. Uh, so long as it's the hottest and steamiest war that the internet has ever seen. I'm down. Jake can join too. This is hot on. We're talking. We're talking like massive levels of uranium here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I think eventually, I, I don't I don't know how the Ukraine thing is going to shape out. I think eventually, and you're starting to see this bubble up. People are going to get real sick of sending billions and billions of dollars over there, especially again, like you said, in this economy, um, and. Whether or not that's good or bad, I don't know. I, I've said this before. Um, I'm mostly pro 99% Ukraine. I hope that they kick the shit out of Russia. Um, but I literally don't believe anything my government or my media is saying about it. And so that's kind of where I'm at on it. I think people are going to get tired of sending billions and billions. And the Biden administration's answer to hey, we need to do this for as long as it takes. Remember, this is the guy who put a deadline on Afghanistan. And now he's saying this is an open-ended conflict in Ukraine now. And that's not going to fly with people. And it's going to be interesting to see what polling is out of the midterms on that issue about continuously sending billions and billions of of dollars. And then what could happen is, is we could switch presidents in three years. The funding gets gets cut off, and then that U.S. president is accused of being a Russian puppet. Yeah, and it kind of did you see this latest thing about uh, what was their name? Uh, the Ukrainian-born Republican representative Victoria Spartz, uh, her criticism of uh, Vladimir Zelensky. Um, I didn't see. It. I saw the story. I just I didn't see the actual comments. No, no, it's okay. It's just it's it's just interesting because I I can imagine that someone. Ukrainian born and serving in the U S house of representatives would receive obviously like the highest amount of, um, but then she comes in and says something critical of Zelensky. Uh, what's the, what's the countdown on when they destroy her career? 
Uh, Russian puppet. They'll say they'll say she has a P tape, and it's as hot and as steamy as the internet has ever seen, right? Well, and the funny thing is, the only one with anything re- remotely regarding a PP tape with a Russian is fucking Hunter Biden. Oh shit, that's right. Stop Wait, Jay, did you Hunter watch Biden it? Sound cool? <laughs> you don't have to. You can just watch the video. It's not as cool as it sounds when you see Hunter Biden doing it. It's not cool because it's hot and steamy, right? Hi. How do you say that in Russian? Haram. This is haram. This is this is delved into haram territory, <laughs> sir. I don't like where you're going with this. Well, Carl's, thank you guys. Uh, cool. Uh, yeah, I thank uh, so thank I, you, I, I Carlos. Yep. Thanks, guys. See you guys Thanks, later. Thanks, Carlos. Your jewel. Uh, we'll hopefully just get through these uh, last. We got Timothy, Julia. Fuffle, Susan, Andrew, and then we'll take Eric uh, just to wrap up because we all have somewhere to be on our Sunday nights. Timothy, you're on with the BB brothers. Inshallah. Hey, salamu alaykum, fellow mujahideen. Wa alaykum assalam, rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. I wanted to congratulate you on. Um, I'm taking count of, of your. Uh, I'm taking count of that that uh, joke on Nancy Pelosi's boobs was your mm-hmm. second bad faith attack on the 9 11 towers. um uh, i had a question uh i I assume some of you got you guys have uh still have uh um relatives in the middle east um or you know family in the middle east and Mm -hmm. my my in-laws are from the middle east they're from iran and uh what's interesting about them is they they have this uh you know they you can really say that if, if anyone's the victims of some of trump's actual policies it's them, you know, they're on the short end of that stick. They get to, you know, they get the shitty economy resulting from sanctions and they get, you know, he has a hell of a hard time getting over here to visit his daughters and things like that. So if anyone's, you know, can really bitch, it's them. But, but what they have going for them is they're not, you know, they, they don't listen to American media. And uh, so, so they have this like uh, level-headed innocence about it. So, you know, when we talk about the election, you know, they're like, yeah, we want we want Biden to win because um, you know we want we want there to be an Iran deal because that's good for us and it's totally understandable why they would want an Iran deal but it's not you know they don't listen to his tweets they don't listen to anything other than that it's one of the it's a rare actual policy disagreement you know a policy reason for you know opposing Trump or opposing the Republicans and I'm just wondering if you guys see that kind of innocence on in um, uh, your family members that are or are over there still you know, they might not like what the U.S. does on a policy basis but it's still you know, a policy disagreement and it's not, you know, be, being driven insane by the media. So there's so many different ways of answering this. Uh, and I will just say that at least within the Pakistani uh, community, uh, there has been a level of brainwashing. Actually, you know, it's funny. I actually, I, I, I visit with uh, my parents this weekend and my dad noticed like a, and my dad's from Pakistan. So he's like, obviously speaks a language. He's fluent in Urdu, but every time something happens, a crisis happens in Pakistan, it's both parties or, or at least the two dominant parties turn towards faith and uh, they turn towards Islam. They, they basically come up with this phrase uh, that's saying like Islam is at stake. And I was like, 
Oh, so you mean basically they turn into Dems and say democracy is at stake. That is kind of like the level of, of brainwashing that, that at least we see in Pakistan. But in terms of like how it relates to the United States, I'd say most of them are conspiracy, not most of them, a good chunk of them are conspiracy theorists. There's not like that level of innocence that they think everything's going to be okay. Either they're brainwashed uh, by uh, Western propaganda or they're all conspiracy theorists. So basically what I'm saying is that everyone in the Middle East, or at least in Pakistan, they're Americans. <laughs> right. And, and, and you should see some of the some of the stuff that I get uh, on WhatsApp from uh, my dad and family members from Lebanon. And uh, to Siraj's point of, of them being conspiracy theorists, is they really think... A lot of the, the worldwide issues that happen are, come from Jews or Israel in particular. Like when COVID first happened, my dad would send me uh, videos of uh, Arab uh, newscasters talking about how this is absolutely a ploy by Israel that they re- released the virus <laughs> in Wuhan. They released Wait, hold the on. virus you're, in you're Wuhan. saying the, the Jews didn't, did not do the pandemic? They no, did the pandemic, and you're they claiming they do don't. The pandemic. They... No, no, I'm, what? I'm not. I'm not. Claiming this is news. Here. I am. I. 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 <laughs> they. They are the ones who funded the Wuhan lab, but it's actually known as the Wuhan lab. The Wuhan lab. They. They went into. They infiltrated. The. Uh, it, it was a wild. A wild story. They actually went to visit China. I mean, I mean, Fauci is Jewish. So I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> <laughs> they all are. Uh, but um, the, the thing about uh, the way like Arabs see American politics, especially in places like Lebanon, where I was where I was as well is they see where it, how well it's going to benefit them. They don't really see the internal domestic situations or what it is happening in in a domestic level uh they just see like for instance uh when i was over there obama was president so obama was saying like how muslims are this and muslims are our partners and you know we no 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 uh, jay jay muslim is our president we we successfully got a muslim in power what are you saying no that's that's what i'm saying and then and then uh they would naively just take his word for it i mean when I was over there, I, I voted for Obama when his first term uh, because I lived there for 20 years uh, and I really wanted a Muslim to be uh, president. Alhamdulillah. And alhamdulillah, he became president for two terms. MashaAllah. <laughs> well, that's a, um, uh, I mean, I've gotten a whiff of that before. Like, for example, that, you know, the inflation in Iran is caused, you know, somehow caused by the Mossad or something like that. But, um, but, but, but even that, like, even if you believe, at least that's, you know, that's a policy disagreement. They don't want, you know, they don't want the Jews spreading viruses in China or whatever, but it's, it's, that's, that's a, that's something different than what you get from a, uh, a, a, uh, you know, I, I kind of want the Jews spreading viruses in China. <laughs> right. I, I mean, I'm kind of pro that too. Um, decimating the chinese uh, the chinese uh, economic oh uh, structure uh, is is a great plan like that's it's it's at least a okay you, even if it's conspiratorial it's it's a disagreement about policy it's not 
it's not just generic, uh, you know, uh, anger. You know what I mean? It's not. It's not so. Which I feel. Which I feel like is somewhat of effective of watching a whole bunch of leftist media that you would get from like an, an American Democrat or something like that. It just seems different in kind, even if it's conspiratorial, like you're saying. And it, that's interesting what you're saying about Islam being at stake, you know, in place of democracy being at stake. But anyway, thank, uh, thanks for the commentary. Of course. Who, who do they think over there did January 6th? Was that also the Jews? Was it Jewannon? It's not just Eric. Think that it's also it's also Janice in Alabama. <laughs> I don't I actually. I haven't had a chance to talk to any family abroad about January sixth because, um, I hadn't thought that it escaped any of the liberal circles of Washington D.C. It's not even in any other part of the country where people are actually paying attention. Most people are just focused on like, well, I'm going to be making enough money to like fill up my gas tank um, abroad. They're thinking, well, how are we going to take over the United States now that January 6th failed? That, I mean, it should be pretty easy at this point. I mean, we don't really have a president. Spe- true. Speaking of... Speaking of Jews, here's Julia. Ooh, marhaba. <laughs> Hi, Julia. Hey, guys. Hi, Siraj and Jay and Steven. Um, Siraj, first I have to say, I'm not normally a fan of dog content, but for your dog, Ernie, I make an exception. Hi. Thank you. I mean, thank you. <laughs> He's a special one. Um. So like Stephen, I'm really bad at predictions and I don't normally like to even um, think about, you know, who might run with whom. But um, with the growing possibility of Trump running again, I've, I think it's safe to assume that he won't have Mike Pence as his running mate should he get the nomination. But these days I've been thinking about not who he would choose as running mate, but like who of the Republican front runners would actually accept, you know, being Trump's running mate if they were asked. And so i just wanted to get your Mike thoughts Lindell. on <laughs> The my pillow guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not really but joking. Specifically, no, oh definitely he'd run. No, I I live in Florida, so I love Ron DeSantis. The only thing is if he runs, I won't want to give him up as governor, but he's the one in particular. I'm wondering like if he might accept, you know, a VP nod from from Trump. I think that would be uh, to be no. like I think it no, would be so stupid not. if Ron did it. Ron is no. is too good to ruin his image by being the VP of Trump. Um, I would hope that he, that Ron would run over Trump, but if Trump ran, there are a couple of people who are willing to gravel and, and, and kiss his feet. One, one comes to mind would, would be uh Cruz type Cruz. He is not, uh, he is not over uh, shaming himself for the person who, uh, who uh, insulted his wife. Absolutely not. I can see him getting on his knees and kissing the toe to become the VP. 
Um, another one I could see is um, the guy from Arkansas. What's his name? Tom uh, Cotton. No, not Tom Cotton. Tom Cotton's too good for it as Hutchinson? well. Hutchinson? I think Hutchinson, yes. Oh, I don't know about that. Um, but there's not a big there's not a big list. I mean, after after Trump admitting that Vince should be uh, hung or killed, <laughs> I don't think there's gonna be there's gonna be a huge list of people willing to uh, humiliate themselves the way that they that he did. With yeah, Tank, but you have to except for Ted Cruz because Ted Cruz. If you if you're Trump's VP, the chance of becoming president during that four years are pretty high um, due to Twenty Fifth Amendment or impeachment and removal. Um, so you're balancing the threat of being hung by Trump and his supporters with a fairly high chance of actually becoming president due to the 25th amendment. So it's, it's a high risk, high reward. Um, I think, I think, I think that list starts, starts and stops with Kirstie Nome. I was thinking Nikki Haley as well. No, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't see, I don't see Haley taking a VP from Trump. No. I think the list stops and starts with Kirstie Noem. I think maybe H.R. McMaster as well. No. Should he not, run? Oh, no. That ain't No. Uh, the only people I see in who would ever accept a VP uh, slot with Trump um, would be the people who probably had his back from the Freedom Caucus sans Mark Meadows. So I would say either a Jim Jordan, maybe a Matt Gates, but it honestly, I don't think he would go for another man. I actually think he'd probably go for someone who is not of the white cis male variety. Ivanka. Caitlyn Jenner. Caitlyn Jenner. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about thinking outside the box. I mean, how how fucking uh, how fucking base would that be? Caitlyn Jenner or Candace Owens? Oh man, Caitlyn Jenner. You can't you can't you can't create a more chaotic White House than those two being there, and also being it entirely one hundred percent the most entertaining thing ever. I agree. I think that would be great. And if Caitlyn declines, I think he should tap Kim Kardashian herself. <laughs> I think she got shit done with the Trump White House. She, she, has a history, exactly. she has a track record of working with the yeah. Trump White House. There's a high chance he would actually tap Kim Kardashian. Oh, definitely. <laughs> she She's on TV. That's really the only qualification. So, well, I've really enjoyed getting y'all's thoughts. So um, thanks for taking my call. Thank you, Julia. Thanks, Julia. Good to hear from you. All right, we're going to take Kerfuffle or Susan. Uh, we'll do Andrew, Eric, and we'll we'll take David at the end here. Uh, Kerfuffle, you know, with the BB Brothers. Can you hear me? Yeah, you're good. Hi. Uh, apologies for the sound quality. I'm calling long distance from Jenna after being. Um, kicked off Twitter. <laughs> so hello, Suraj, Chef Suraj. Hello, all, all the people um, kicked off Twitter just Jay follow Jay. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to ask you guys, um, 
you know, the coverage from the recent events in Israel and and uh, KSA were that the Biden administration is trying to tell the Saudis, could you stop being friends with Israel and go back to hating them and being friends with the Palestinians instead? And the Saudis are like, no. <laughs> so I'm wondering how it's being covered in what you see from the Arab world, because I saw, you know, um, pictures of their like newspapers that were showing Muslim uh, soldiers in the IDF and like really positive, almost propaganda in the Saudi papers that was like very pro-Israel. Yeah, there's been, it's it's really been a surprise since the, the Abrahamic Accords over in the Middle East, especially the UAE and Saudi Arabia on their total 180 uh, on, on their behavior towards Israel. Because like, I shit you not, when I was growing up in the UAE, uh, going to Friday prayer, uh, prayer, I say I shit you not, but this is totally like believable. I think everybody knows that this is what actually happens. But in Friday prayer, during the sermon, they would talk about how they hope that like Allah will come down and wipe out Israel and protect our Palestinian brothers and stuff to to like a congregation of kids with their dads and everything. Like it's just absolutely fucking insane, the, the shit that they would say. To completely sh- like show this in newspapers and state media, uh, state run media is, I still can't believe it. Like when I see it happening, I cannot believe it, uh, believe that this is the case. And for Trump, or at least, you know, the the Trump administration not to get a Nobel, uh, a Nobel Peace Prize over this is insane to me. Yeah. Yeah. Jay, um, on, real fast. I, Oh, I'm sorry. Siraj, were you going to say? I was just going to say. How much of that? Okay. How much of that do you think? And you can, and I'm, I'm coming at this from kind of a naive place. How much of that do you think chalks it up to these Middle Eastern countries just tired of Hamas's antics and making them look bad? Oh, they're not tired just of Hamas. Oh, yeah. They're tired of Fatah and, as and well. Hezbollah because and, a lot of the money. That are, you know, that caused this shit with Israel, how much of that, because I was thinking about this, where it feels like normalization happened relatively easy. It was just, you had to give it a chance. And remember, if you remember John Kerry's comments, who said normalization between Israel and the Muslim world is not going to happen without the Palestinians. And then Trump goes in and cuts out the Palestinians and everyone's (laughs) like, kumbaya. Like everyone's like, yeah, fuck yeah, let's do this. Let's yeah, I don't... no, that's that's so exactly that what it is. Because is how much how much of this are these countries just like we're fucking tired of you know you assholes launching rockets over you know this three mile land piece of land like we're tired of you giving us grief because of this shit that you're doing all the time. Well, um, well, it's and, not, and it's... I don't know this. This just literally is just a thought that I. Well, have. I was just gonna right. It's not necessarily. It's not necessarily Hamas. And Hezbollah, it's the fact that they're Shia. So, so the fact that the Saudis, oh, so oh, they are Shia. Definitely, UAE they are definitely stuff, majority. They are definitely Shia. Run, they're definitely a big Sunni. pile of Shia. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's absolutely true. So, before it used to be, uh, used to be seen as it is a unity of Muslims. It's a Muslim struggle and all that kind of stuff. Um, slowly, uh, slowly, they started 
making it more being like this is shitty and we're Sunni and trying to to um, you know distance themselves away from it. Uh, and the way Trump came in and gave, like almost like gave them the green light to completely be able to do that, they took it. And they're able to like completely distance themselves from them. And and to your because Saudi Arabia is not innocent when it comes to terrorism around the world. They're not, uh, and they just do not want to be associated with Shia anymore. So, Jay, are you saying that uh, this, I thought I thought Palestinian Muslims are mostly comprised of Sunnis? Am I wrong? Hamas, Hamas, oh, Hamas is, is Shia. Okay. Hamas is backed is, yeah, by okay. Iran. Absolutely right, right. backed by Iran. And they, okay, and they completely right. can almost control the um, government. Right, yeah, the Palestinian Authority. So uh, one thing I want to point out here is that uh, if the Gulf states, meaning the Muslim, the Arab Muslim Gulf states like Saudi Arabia at all, really wanted to give the Palestinians a homeland, there's nothing stopping them from basically giving them refuge or asylum in any of their countries but you're not seeing that because the incentive is to keep the conflict ongoing and allow for them to basically make money off of the conflict whatever that may be and uh, so long as there continues to be a conflict between uh jews and muslims abroad there's a party that stands to gain from it um I don't know what it's going to take to finally uh, break down that barrier, but you do. I mean, the fact that they cut out the Palestinians in, in terms of normalization of relations between, say, uh, Israel and, and the UAE and this seeming almost normalization of relations between uh, Israel and Saudi Arabia, uh, honestly, if you get someone who's passionate enough about it, you probably could break through. But ultimately, I think there are many parties that stand to gain from uh, Hamas being in existence, from Hezbollah, from Iran, um, and and basically continuing to sow discord in the region. Yeah. Um, I could give like a 30-year perspective on a little bit of this because back in 1993, I was backpacking through Europe. And Wait, no, 1993 from... wasn't 30 years ago, was it? That was yesterday. I know. I remember because right? I, said, I said goodbye to my uncle that day before you went to the World Trade Center. I was going to say, that, that's a, that's an import, that was an important <laughs> year for you guys. It was. <laughs> I'm sorry I had to derail you. No, it's okay. <laughs> no, so I was, I, was um, I, I met people from, you know, Tunis and other places, and they... Back then, I mean, the Arab world had held Palestinians and Fatah in particular in contempt. I, like in contempt as in to spit when they say their names. And yet what they explained to me, they said, oh, we don't, you know, we actually respect Jews, but these people are our cousins. They're our cousins that we don't like. We can't stand them, but they're our cousins. And cousins come before even, you know, people we would choose to associate with. And it was very much just seeing them as like, you know, even the redheaded stepchild is still a member of our family and you're not. And um, the even back then, I you probably don't remember this. You're probably too young. But do you remember when um, 
uh, Arafat and his cronies were caught kidnapping two boys off the street in Tunis? Uh, no, that, that might have been before okay. my time. So two boys, uh, two cousins were playing in the street and disappeared outside where Arafat and his cronies were living uh, before they were allowed to return. And it turned out that they were being held in this little fortress mansion, whatever, where um, Arafat was. And you can imagine what was happening to them. And they were able to get them back, but everybody knew what it was. And that was supposed to be like the end of Arafat. And um, it was around the same time as like there was a plane crash. He survived and all this stuff. And it was just greatly perceived that it was a matter of time before the Arab countries were going to kill him. And somehow he escaped, and really he escaped only thanks to a combination of the Labor Party in Israel and, you know, the leftist governments in Europe and the Democrats in the U.S. who really rescued him. Terrible mistake. And from then on, I came to understand something I've come to understand more widely, which is that the left hates the opposition more than the enemy. And that that's the difference between right and left other than, you know, philosophy is that no matter what, the, the conservative side of any country uh, hates the enemy more than even the most annoying domestic opponent. And, the, the conser- and then yet the, the progressive left will absolutely use the enemy to destroy the, the opposition. And an example of that in Israeli history was when David Ben-Gurion betrayed uh, the, uh, the Lehi fighters to the British, knowing they would be executed. And some 50-something of them were executed by the British. And that's something that never, never, never would have happened the other way around. And that's continued until today. And so when people are surprised that, like, the way that Democrats use Antifa, for example, here at home. It's, it's very consistent across all these different cultures and countries that the left is willing to do things, uh, to, willing to go places, that the right, no matter, the right has its own flaws, other flaws, but that's one that the left is willing to do. Ted Kennedy, Ted Kennedy reaching out to uh, <laughs> the Soviets uh, to to uh, undermine Reagan is another good one. Yeah, excellent. Did, excellent did Siraj just complete his mission? We just lost him. Yeah, I don't. See yeah, it, it it flew into it flew into the building. But one thing about Siraj that you have to know is he's also a boomer, and his phone probably died. Uh, along that's, with that's along with made. about twenty five other people at a shopping mall. Yes. <clears throat> so it wasn't it wasn't like it was full battery. It had to be because he had to make another call in order to, for the backpack to explode. Long has he earned them. (laughs) Right. Uh, Jay, you want to, you want to follow up with what uh, Kerfuffle was talking about, about the left and the political right there? Yeah. I mean, you, and we've seen this all throughout Trump's presidency, how they would completely take the sides of places like Russia and China, as long as it made Trump look bad. And I know this is not, uh, I mean, I mean, they took, they the took the side of Richard Spencer, even. Exactly. And had him up on as a contributor on CNN and they, and they put him up on in your face um, and, and seeing it, I think 
Like the best thing Trump did was showcase every one of uh, was showcase how the the left would go to extremes to try to make themselves look like the good guys, and that even meant siding with Russia, who who now is the most mortal enemy at, uh, uh, that we can find, and they still uh, downplay uh, China. We see this time and time again. Uh, Kerfuffle, any uh, any closing thought there? Okay. Uh, no, um, you know, um, nice talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> you too. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Susan. Oh, he's back. He did not complete. Miraculously. Because that's where I find all the virgins. <laughs> <laughs> Did Wait, you, these are way too many virgins than I imagined. Alhamdulillah. Did the cell did the cell phone not activate? What what happened? I thought it did activate. What the hell am I back here? <laughs> this is this is this is purgatory. Now you have to really make up some shit to get to get out of here. Oh god. Andrew, you're on with you're on with at least one of the BB brothers. The other one is <laughs> In paradise. Uh, uh, we'll we'll figure out what what he, we have to do with him later. Uh, uh, my main question is: There's this big talk about uh, the uh, about how you know you see all these old Weekly Standard people just have suddenly most of them have just moved over to become. Uh, um, have to become these um to become the party of MSNBC basically, and I was wondering is has that had any sort of influence in um in the Habibi community community just about how it, it, that sort of you know you see the sort of interventionist right be pushed out as from power as much has that actually been noticed or is that just something that we talk about on from people even of the community itself. So one of the things that I have seen personally, because I used to work at the examiner and I was there when the weekly standard shut down, it was basically an opportunity for them to make inroads with many of the neoliberals who at least had their back throughout, uh, uh, let's just say during, uh, since George H.W. Bush, the, you know, the, the, the two sides of the same coin um, type of deal, the neolibs and the neocons. I think what we're seeing happen is that while they are trying to have their ideas heard uh, within the mainstream, the whole concept of like intervening abroad is just not... Um, it's just not, it's just falling on deaf ears. There's no one, no one wants to hear about it. So the only avenue that they is just basically church everyone within who exists within the Republican party um, and hasn't completely uh, condemned Trump to the fullest extent because uh, anyone who thinks Trump was a, either a competent or good president is now the enemy. I, you know, 
it's actually weird seeing how I've, some of them have kind of gone off the the reservation that way because I don't know what they're holding on to anymore. I can't, if it's not I can't, power. I can't imagine anybody in a Muslim country is happy about all of George W. Bush's cronies running MSNBC. <laughs> and, and also mentioned as someone who's not who. but thinks he perhaps was uh, a necessary... Uh, hey, hey Andrew, you, you broke, hey, Andrew, you broke up real there. Can you uh, repeat what you were going to say? Um, I'm not even someone who personally loves Donald Trump at all, but I think he was somewhat necessary to clear out a lot of blockage that had not been cleared from the Republican Party's colon over the past 20 years, because it it really did feel like a lot of the people who should have been pushed out at, after the disaster of 2008 and in 2012 just hung on somehow. And it was sort of like there was not that necessary clearing out of people who started in the 90s and by the end of the 2000s had more or less drove the um, Titanic, the entire Republican Party on some level. Um, I don't know if it's... I agree with you that like Trump is basically the... The uh, the suppository, enema. yeah, he's the, he's the enema that kind of cleared some of that out. But as you see what's happening in polling right now, and you see that the political right and especially Republican Party are becoming more diverse, that's not an accident. Now that that whole group has moved on to the other side of the aisle, I don't think that that's accidental. But you even see things like you know Kevin Williamson, who I think is a great writer, but at times can be kind of tunneled in his fusion says, oh, man, the, the party before Trump was so much more willing to be diverse and accepting. And it's like, have you looked at poll numbers? It does feel like there's this idea of acceptance that basically is like this, you know, like if you've read Matthew Cottonetti, whatever you think of him's history of the right, where it's sort of like there's this sort of accepted elite idea of acceptance and toleration and a toleration that actually might have a way of moving forward politics of the right. And it's sort of like there's these there's this sort of ideal of oh we'll we'll create this neo whatever you call it a way of accepting uh, people and it's sort of like the only it's a great idea and the, the the problem is the one group they fail to consult are voters not just old white racists but all but all these other people who just don't really buy into those ideas. So one thing that I found interesting, Andrew, is that. Uh, while Republicans haven't always been the party of ideas, they don't talk about identity nearly as much as the left does. And when you play identity politics, you're ultimately pitting people based on their immutable characteristics that they can't change. So when Republicans try to find that vacuum or at least the, the fill, fill up that gap to find voters and you're seeing sort of like the approval approval numbers or at least like you know, somehow, you know, Latinos and, and, and Blacks and Asians and, and and all these different groups are all starting to be like, you know what, Republicans aren't so bad after all, yet they're all being called white supremacists for even daring to vote for them. That is something that I think people need to at least take stock in because while Republican, well, you know, some conservative philosophy and uh, Republican politics are done with the focus on the individual 
ultimately many of these uh, communities that come from abroad are focused on um, the community above the individual. I do want to say one last thing about this before I, I turn over to Jay um, and get him on this. And that is with respect to all of these different issues that are currently being decided, whether it was like gay marriage or now like we live in a post real world, as these different issues are sort of decided, you're finding new, like conservatives now have to find either the next big issue to be very passionate or fight the culture war about or just be mad about. Because after this, uh, after delivering the white whale of overturning Roe v. Wade, what's left? And that's going to be, I think, for a lot of people who are socially conservative or, at least, pro killing, <laughs> or at least not pro-killing babies. I mean, that's the, that's the thing. Like, that's at least the, you know, social media might be crazy, but at least we could, uh, we could put a spotlight on the crazy and understand where it's actually coming from. Right. Again, like Stephen said way too much, uh, it, the thing about Twitter isn't what's um, what the best thing about Twitter is it just let everyone exp- um, all the it let the uh, news industry just expose exactly what they thought. You know, yes, absolutely. And they, and they it, thought that they could just that. do it. They thought they could just do it and things would be normal. Like they thought they could just kind of tweet their biases and absolutely lose their mind and it would be fine. And Twitter would allow them to do it. And they didn't expect pushback. And if you were around in 2012, 2013, that was really the golden age of them not expecting pushback. And now, I mean, you see a lot of journalists now, they just, they turn off comments and they turn off notifications. It's like, I'm just going to pretend this isn't happening. Well, like Glenn Kessler noted, he turned off notifications for only, you know, things. And it's like, that doesn't mean it's not happening. And the fact that you're just tuning yourself out of it means you're going to get hit with a train that you're going to then wonder, how did this happen? Well, Glenn, we've been telling you X, Y, Z now for years, and you just chose to kind of plug your ears. Which is interesting considering Kessler's German roots that he wouldn't be aware of where all the the, the train would be about to hit him. Siraj, remember, he's Dutch. That's what how he um, oh, how, sorry. How had, all those, uh, had all those camps in the Congo. That's where his family <laughs> made all their money. That's right. How 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 uh, inappropriate. And consider it'll be like calling you from. It'll be like saying you were from the um, from Yemen and um, and Jay was um, um, was from uh, Algeria. It would be just wrong to do it incorrectly. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Jay's not from Algeria. Algeria. Oh God. <laughs> Algeria. Algeria is uh, is in between Africa and the Middle East, kind of like your tank. In between. That's that's. <laughs> What Algeria is. Algeria is the taint <laughs> in between Africa and the Middle East. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's it's still, you know, northern Africa sort of area. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did, they, they, I hope they, I did not offend you, Jay. You... <laughs> no, Jay's no, literally no. issuing a fuck. And, Andrew has a fuck on him now, so that's great. All. Not at all. Fuck Algeria. And also the Palestinians, <laughs> too, because, like, what's really hilarious to uh, Kafuffle's point is even in Lebanon, they hate Palestinians. It's it's a funny it's a funny thing. Yeah, uh, Arabs um, are totally racist why, against other Arabs. There's, 
Yeah, they are. And there's a reason why Egypt completely closes off their border between themselves and Palestine and, and also shuts off any tunnel uh, between Palestine and uh, Egypt. They could um, just build a wall. They could have. Uh, but then what, what, what would they do about the tunnels? Fair point. And didn't the Palestinians try to take over Jordan at one point, like overthrow the king? Uh, that was that. I think that was in what one of the wars of like nineteen eighty something. So you no know one. It's like the, the thing about the Palestinians, not to be as pushy, but it seems like everywhere they go, they always seem to cause trouble. On some level. Well, it's not Palestinian. So, well, yes, I not, mean, Palestinians, not Palestinians, but Hamas. Themselves. The it's it's NYU. It's the Mossad within the Palestinian people <laughs> that cause the trouble. This is true. <laughs> It was Mossad within Hamas within uh, the Trump supporters who stormed the Capitol on J6. Uh, absolutely, 100%. And, and the funny thing about the Arab world as well, uh, when, you, when you talk about Gen 6, they don't give a fuck. They don't care about Gen 6 whatsoever. Nobody also, cares for the record, Gen uh, Jan, we, when we talk about Gen 6, like Jack Tabor. when we talk about Gen 6, we obviously mean Jay's birthday and nothing else. Of course, right. Well, and, the uh, Jan six of my birthday is when the caliphate came uh, reborn. Alhamdulillah. Okay, one last thought. Um, I'm sorry, Siraj, but I will never be able to be your friend because you are a Boston sports fan. How did that? How did that great affliction occur to you? Uh, I was born in Hartford, Connecticut, and so I was always a New England sports fan. Well, you know what? That's just. It's just a failure of your existence. I'm so sorry. I know. I, I well, that, be able to change the marathon bombing. <laughs> <laughs> How's it feel to know that since Tom Brady left, you're never going to win another championship? You haven't won a championship since he left, and now he's going to just hang out in Florida with the Santissimo. Okay. Well, I wish I had a witty comeback, but. I obviously have to just take stock in every Muslim winning a championship, starting off with the Colorado Avalanche. So congratulations, Stephen. And and there's a and there's a chance Kadri's going to join the Bruins. So that keep you know, pray pray to Allah that that might happen. Which sucks because I'm, all. of all the Boston teams, I'm not a Bruins fan because I'm from Hartford. And when they when I was alive, the very first team I ever saw. In person, were the Hartford Whalers, so, and so, well, so I guess you, they so left then, in '97. Became the Hurricanes. I guess you're hoping they go to the the, the the Hurricanes then. I guess. I mean, I'm not even a Hurricane. Oh God, this all sucks so much, Andrew. Why <laughs> well, would I'm you? This all makes. And I am a Hurricane This fan, all makes so. zero sense to me. This Her- makes zero sense to me. Jay, it's hockey, as a, okay? As a non-American American fan, American sports fan, I, I watch I watch actual sport like soccer. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. I mean, I do too. Communism. Andrew, uh, thanks. I'm going to go ahead and move on with uh, to Eric and David and wrap things up. So thanks, Have a great Andrew. night. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks, Andrew. What are you talking about soccer? I mean, yeah, real sport. Yeah, let's. Here, here's what we'll do. We'll put a bunch of fucking hockey players on a soccer field, and they'll probably be able to play. A lot of them do. Now then I want to I want to put soccer players on ice skates. That's the end of the debate. Eric, thanks for your patience. <laughs> um, you're on with the BB brothers. As a uh, fellow Californian, uh, it's good to have a, um, a meeting of uh, DeSantis sleeper cell members uh, that are willing to uh, turn the state of California into the 
free state of Jefferson. But um, Eric, uh, are you talking about Jay because he's very much a lib? <laughs> he just admitted he's a fucking soccer player. He's, he's a soccer fan. That's full blown Antifa. I, just, I think I could true. like hockey. I think I could like hockey. I honestly think that's the one sport I could like because a lot of the rules are sort of like soccer. You know, they they have the offside <laughs> rule that has nothing to do with like the offside rule in soccer. But there's two goals, and they have to go and and try to get the uh, the the puck in in the goal. The only thing that really I don't like about hockey is there's no flopping. I mean, how can you call yourself a sport? With no That's because flopping. if you flop, you get the shit kicked out of you for doing it. <laughs> and it's probably by the guys on your own team. All right, yeah, Stefan, you've, you've convinced me. I am now a Kings fan. Yeah, it could be, it could be worse. <laughs> they were a playoff team. Could be a Ducks fan. Uh, no, no, he's a Kings fan. I like, I like kids on ice. No, no, I'm saying it could be worse. He could be a My Ducks fan. My favorite movie. Oh. But I'm sorry, Eric. Eric yes, Eric, go your, for it. What was your question? No worries. I was um, noticing uh, on Steve's Twitter feed about the, um, uh, let's just say, Newsom deferring to localism. Oh, yeah. Uh, on... the, the guy the guy who, you know, won't shut the fuck up about Florida for going on three months is asked about Garcon's recall. And he's like, never heard of him. Don't know what you're talking about. And this is yeah. and today. Well, or was it today or yesterday a NASCAR star was stabbed to death? Um, right. Oh, Jay, Jay just completed his mission. Ashala, <laughs> 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 uh, Jay. Like, Get wrecked, like, you fucking like, boomer. No, he, he, Jay probably was just the first person calling ever banned right there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, this, this thing with news. Man, I hope, I hope they run that fucker. Because they think that he's, you know, good looking and he's got the slick hair and I hope they fucking run him because this, this, oh God, everything about him is just greasy. Um, speaking of, let me get, speaking of greasy, let me get Jay back up here. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, yeah, like he, he knows all the ins and outs of Florida law. And then when he's asked about the DA in the largest city in his state, he's just like, I know, man. I, I, he's, you know, he's prosecuting. What do you want? And then this comes out a day after a NASCAR star is stabbed to death at a gas station by a transient. And they just buried that. Like, they just completely buried that story. Like, this yeah. guy, is, that's a really popular NASCAR driver. And, like, some tattooed meth raider just went up and, like, stabbed him in the chest at a gas station. Just, just <laughs> went up and did it. And here's Gavin Newsom still piping off about Ron DeSantis. It's I hope it's, they run this fucking guy. I, I, it's it's fucking insane to me. And and being here in California, watching this happen, and he was his guy. Like he campaigned with him. He propped him up. He did he did everything with him. And now he's like, oh, I have no idea what my DA is doing in, in my own fucking state. That in in the county that's rising in fucking homelessness and uh, crime rates is insane to me. That you have people being robbed at in broad daylight, or their car jacked, or or stabbed, or stabbed at or gas stations, up, or or any of that kind of stuff. To to actually state I have no idea what he's doing is 
fucking insane to me. And being here in California, none of it is going to change. That's not going to, to force him out or force him to resign or anything. You, you have a population in California that is so far lost, that is completely out of it, that they will vote for this guy again and actually think that if he said you should have homeless people living in your homes, they'll vote for that shit too because they're fucking retarded. That's how yeah. I think of fellow Californians. And I just... Oh, no, I was sorry to cut you off, Eric. I just want to also state that despite all these grievances that Jay holds about California, he refuses to move, thus proving he is lib. the biggest lib. Well, I also live in Orange County, so like, I, it, I, it, it'd be hard for me to exchange, what is it, 73 degrees outside right now? Like, so... It's okay, a, so you're basically adding yourself as a lib as well. Okay, beautiful weather. Yeah. I was at the beach yesterday, and it was 72 degrees over in Huntington Should have been 69 beach. degrees, I mean, Jay. It is, it is, like, California is, is honestly one of the most beautiful states here in, uh, in the United States, and they fucking shat all over it. Completely shat all over. And you cannot get any better Asian... Um, Diversity. Uh, yeah, we'll stop there. In Irvine. <laughs> <laughs> in Irvine, yeah, we we have all the types. We have Vietnamese, Chinese, <laughs> Japanese. We have all of them in Irvine. Yeah, but, but um, I I just amazed how the media just has a hear no evil, see no evil, say no evil um, attitude about what's going on in California with the homelessness and our High, like our high gas prices and it's like the Dems have had a super majority in California ever since 2018 and I just find it amazing that they think as Steve was saying like if they, if they run that guy they're gonna be like what have you done in your state the last six years like it's it's gonna be pretty interesting if he if they try to make him sort of into the Beto O'Rourke sort of like slick looking white guy governor like you know I, I find that's going to be pretty interesting I don't know what you guys thoughts are on that that's 100% what's going to happen because also what you have to understand is like unlike DeSantis Gavin Newsom is not uh, hanging gays for being gay and saying gay and also he's <laughs> not firing uh, teachers for uh, brainwashing children to go cut their dicks off Jay, I just would like to let everyone know here because I am now a Florida man. I haven't been able to say gay all year under the fear of reprisal. And also, I haven't been able to uh, invite you over, Jay, for a night of passion because I'm worried about what DeSantos <laughs> is going to do to us. Well, it's going to happen September 11. Inshallah. September 11 <laughs> is going to be... What we're going to do in Florida is what, what we did in New York, but with our dicks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but on, Praying on for a, building uh, seven. <laughs> <laughs> More of a building 69 kind of guy. <laughs> Eric, do you have any, maybe, do you have maybe, any cl- maybe Sacramento can be a target. I don't know. Do you have any uh, close of thoughts question there, Eric? Sure. Uh, just one last thing. I'll let David. If, um, uh, I just, I just was wondering what sort of the 
I know we're sort of seeing like a, a quasi breaking point with Biden and the media, but it's good. Like, I, if this goes on for another two years of just like just bad governance, like, how are they going to like twist? I may able to find some way how to do it, but how they're going to twist the like? Because right now they're just saying, "Oh, he's old." And this is what happens when you nominate old people, um, elect old people to be president. And but like, how are they like? How are they going to cover up like all the policies? I, I feel like that's just going to be hard to do over the next uh, two years. But uh, I I just wrote at, exam- at Washington Examiner, Siraj's old stomping grounds, that when his party loses midterms, which unless they royally fuck up the Senate, which is possible, um, but it looks like the Republicans will take the Senate and the House pretty much literally the very next day. You're going to see this, this whisper campaign against Biden pretty much through the New York Times become a full bore yell that he needs to not run again, at the very least not run again. And then it becomes, what does he do? And as I said, I think there will be a Democratic primary, uh, depending on who that person or people are. I, I, I can see at least two people would do that. And then it becomes, what does he do? What happens if he loses a primary? Um, and so I don't predict anything other than I, you know, I pretty much think the very next day, because his presidency is effectively over uh, if he loses the House and the Senate. And then he's going to get impeached in the House. Um, probably not in the Senate, but he'll, he'll get impeached in the House. And then it becomes... Um, what, where do you go from there? Uh, Biden says he's not going to step aside. And so what happens? And I mean, you have a, a lot of us saw this possibility happening. And, and also when he when he picked Kamala Harris, they weren't thinking long term. Uh, Kamala was the safe pick because they could just fill that seat in the Senate with no problem. They could they couldn't pluck someone out of Minnesota or any of these other places. Um, but they weren't thinking like, holy shit, you just you just made someone who was so unpopular she had to drop out of the Democratic primary before Iowa, you made her basically the heir apparent. Whether if Biden chooses not to run, Jim Clyburn says he backs Harris. And if Jim Clyburn backs Harris, that's it. That's all. Like, that'll be the end of it. Harris will be your nominee. And I don't think anybody out there fucking wants her to be their nominee. I mean, Biden, Biden screwed them on so many levels that and i said this i haven't seen this in my lifetime i have not seen the democratic party at this point of weakness maybe in my lifetime i mean obviously you had reagan just you know fucking them over left and right uh but that was you know still a little you know a little bit before my time but i mean i it's with roe going and and just the infighting you're going to see happening and the displeasure with biden and the the stalled agenda thanks to mansion and cinema and i've just never seen this and this is why i I still don't understand why people on the political right are screaming about things i'm kind of like fucking enjoy this because it won't last (laughs) for sure i want to say that like like basically what basically what i'm expecting they're going to get so pissed off that basically they're going to assassinate three conservative justices and biden will fill those seats that's kind of where i'm at i'm like that's probably what's going to happen here um so like i said I, I don't know. He compl- It's great that they got rid of Trump. I mean, that's that's why they ran Biden. But they didn't think 
what happens the moment you walk in the door? Like, great, you guys got rid of Trump. Well, now you own it. So we have fun. And it really is a sight to behold. And like I said, this is where I think somebody from the far left flank is going to do a primary. And I've said it that most likely it's probably going to be Ocasio-Cortez. And if that happens, she gets the media in her corner and look out. I don't th- I don't necessarily think she'll be a nominee, but it'll be enough to it, it will be enough to push the old man aside at the very least. So, I mean, I mean, that's whatever that's, it takes to get our favorite big booty Latina into the race. I'm for it. OK, yeah. but I will also well, say also, that Kamala is looking at Biden. She also hates the Jews. OK, OK. I got I got to I got to say something here because one. Well, it's not one. It's the main thing. <laughs> AOC is not a big booty Latina. She does not have a big ass. As a connoisseur of eating ass, that is <laughs> a fucking very mid ass. Like mid to low tier ass. And what is better? What's better? AOC's ass or Pelosi's rack? Pelosi, 100%. Okay, well, yeah, Pelosi's rack. But if I'm I'm going to say AOC's rack compared to Pelosi's rack, I would go AOC's rack. That wasn't the question. That wasn't the question. Has some good tits. Jay, you can't. So it's Pelosi's. Pelosi's. She's got $88 million funding those racks. Absolutely. Racks on racks on racks on racks. <laughs> Forget about where they invest. Just see when they're going to start paying for plastic surgery. Like how? How? So come, one thing I want to no say is, is that... how come no one is noting that Nancy Pelosi like single handedly ended the formula shortage? <laughs> it's, it's it's crazy. <laughs> but um, on a, on a somewhat serious note, like they're going to have to make this decision. I think. Probably by um, beginning of next year. That's like, why I said the midterms. It, it because people yeah, say that'll because, be it. You ha- you don't have a choice here. Yeah, because like people have to ra- start raising money and get you know campaign infrastructure going, like especially for primaries. So yeah, they're gonna have to make a decision pretty quickly. So that'll be pretty interesting to see them transition that. But you know, thanks for thanks for uh, uh, hold, holding this, uh, Colin. Uh, really appreciate it. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, Eric. We're down to our we're down to our last caller. Uh, thanks, everyone. Thanks, David, for your patience. Uh, David, you're on with the BB Brothers. Bring us home. Don't make us regret our time here. Uh, <laughs> take it away. Well, you don't regret your time already, Steve. Uh, not really. A lot of pressure. What is it? Um, I had a question for Jay and Siraj. If um, let's see, is your does your family like? I'm a Cuban, I'm, my my family is Cuban immigrants. Do your does your family like have a lot of uh, love for you know the country, except for the ones that obviously did not eleven. But I was just wondering if like <laughs> actually, you know what? David, I was just wondering if even like the a... ones even the ones who did nine eleven had a lot of love for this country because they loved the freedom to be to operate the way they did with zero pushback. <laughs> whatsoever you believe you could be a, a pilot just download microsoft <laughs> you can be anything in this country <laughs> Listen, um, it's funny that air that airport so what, where they trained where your family trained actually worked, <laughs> <laughs> actually like uh, lived or trains like right by where i live and uh in miami and um let me see. And I actually ended up working in that airport. 
<laughs> uh, oh, later on. But um, another question I have is like, how could uh, conservatives kind of like shut Trump out of the nomination in 2024 because he's gonna run, he's gonna Beat him. announce he's running soon? Don't vote for him. It's right. Yeah. That's that's gonna be the one thing. And I think uh, what they what they really need to to do is because you're gonna have you're gonna have a lot of politicians follow follow him and and push him as the the nomination as well but as voters and people with the actual power to to put him in place should should not vote for him i don't think it would be good be good for for the party he's going he's the 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 trump train is is there for a reason because of who trump is he doesn't take Mm -hmm. no for an answer he doesn't take criticism he doesn't take any type of, um, you know, barrier to stop him from what he wants to do. And what he wants to do, regardless if it's going to be good politics or not, is to run again. So he's going to do it. Nothing's going to stop it. He has to run, though. Yeah. You realize he has to run. He does not run. He, he would have to be the biggest bitch on the planet to not run. No, 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 no. no. See, him running, him running is the biggest mistake for the for the party and it's yeah but he doesn't give a mistake. shit about the republican party look at trump he is not a republican and no he's not but him running as a republican should he has no problem destroying the republican it. party he has no problem destroying the republican party absolutely he doesn't mm-hmm. but he will he will not he did it in georgia in, in 2024 because because biden is not going to be the nominee in 2024 you see a lot of angst because of roe with like in the democratic media like they said, like we need someone mean and a fighter, and I'm like, Trump's gonna run for the Democrat nomination. <laughs> <laughs> it better happen. And they might fucking Dude, vote for him. They really be? might fucking vote for him if he did that. That would be so fucking. How fucking hilarious would it be to just see them all flip? You know, he had a good point about Russia. <laughs> Bro, literally, yo, hold on. There was literally Brooklyn Dad Defiant tweeting some shit about the wall. Uh, I think Shu tweeted like just how fucking crazy it is. Uh, oh God, it was right here. It was basically. Uh, oh, here it is. Brooklyn Dad. John- Jonathan, Chait- AKA- Jonathan Chait's next piece is to stop DeSantis. Trump must run. Oh, hell yeah! So Brooklyn Dad, the fine, aka Damon Toll, who I know is probably in the ch- in, in listening right now. He better be that lib. He says, it's, uh, it's pretty fucking funny that after so many Trump promises to get Mexico to pay for the wall, President Biden got Mexico to pay $1.5 billion for smart tech to enhance border security. Well played, Mr. President. That tweet made on July 13th, 2022. Just incredible. I mean, like, they, they don't care about what, they don't care about the policy. They care about who did it. And people hate Trump so much that they are willing to sacrifice even good policy just for the owns. There's at least a 60% chance if Trump ran for the Democrat nomination, he would get it. 100%. <laughs> Essentially. <laughs> I'd say 69%. But that's who, who would he pick as his Democratic running mate in that scenario? Elizabeth Warren. You think, you think he'd pick Pocahontas? Dude, uh, after and the amount of bro, bro, of, of all the things that you could hold over anyone, calling her Pocahontas and then offering her the VP slot so you can continue to dunk on her the the next four <laughs> years. And 
he he would he would take uh, Ocasio Cortez because of her juicy booty. <laughs> so oh, Chelsea Clinton. That's yeah, not Chelsea Clinton. Oh, Hillary Clinton. Trump, oh, Trump would pick God. whoever Clinton Maxwell told him to. <laughs> oh my god yeah no i could see, i could say man god that's that would be just absolutely wild to think about trump going for the democratic nomination honestly that would be the wild card that we might need is that trump <laughs> that we... trump announces you know they're, they're the reports about trump saying he's gonna run and no obviously not uh announcing exactly you know, like it's a matter of when, but we also didn't question whether he's going to run in a Democratic primary in 24 versus running for the Republican nomination. God. No, but I've been seeing stuff that uh, it seems like the conservative establishment is starting to get back behind DeSantis and it just seems like a lot of media, like conservative media is starting to, I keep- to push him up too. I keep an eye on Glenn Youngkin because in Virginia, obviously, governors only allow one term. So I can see the establishment polishing and grooming him uh, for a a president. Grooming? Yeah, I'd say grooming because apparently uh, everyone in the GOP establishment is the Lincoln Project. We're going to need more tiki right. torches. Yep. And, and Confederate coolers. <laughs> uh, David, oh, David, anything else to, to uh, wrap us up here? Uh, nope, nothing on. Yeah, nothing on my mind. Great. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and remove, and we're out. Um, well, this was successful. We didn't, we didn't have too many... Uh, suicides this episode a lot we, fewer we had happened. two we had two different suicides yes but we just came back yes um yeah so we're gonna have to do this again provided we're not suddenly banned from the platform for bone song uh taylor lorenz and um milking off nancy pelosi's sweet sweet twin towers um <laughs> I was Thank just gonna you. say before I let you go, uh, before you close out the show, um, uh-huh. can, I, can I just say, Steve, is that um, yeah, just plug your shit and get it over with. No, I was just gonna say, if you can make it through the bone saw part, you could literally make it through the rest of the episode because we open with that. But yeah, obviously, go ahead and give us a follow on Rumble, Habibi Bros. That's where we do our show every Wednesday night, nine p.m. East, six p.m. Pacific. And then if you really want to be a part of the community, go check us out on Locals, habibibros.locals.com. Use the promo code uh, GenRubin69 for a one-month free trial. And yes, that is actually the promo code, GenRubin69 on habibibros.locals.com. Uh, uh, Jay, anything and else? I would, and, I would, and I would say go ahead and follow Siraj on Twitter. Uh, not Jay. Jay will be gone here in a day or two, most likely. <laughs> that's, that's a waste of time. <laughs> With the way I'm going, but I'm I'm on Twitter at at Aslikin. That's A S S L I K E N. For now, uh, mine's linked to my uh, to my column, but it's at Siraj A Hashmi on Twitter. All right, uh, thank thank you, Habibis, for joining us. Inshallah, Allahu Akbar.
Thank you, Steve um, Beebe. This has been episode, and obviously thanks to all the callers and thanks to all the listeners. This was this was a fun, just re- relaxed episode. Congratulations on uh, embarrassing President Brandon. Uh, you guys, you guys earned that one as well. Uh, this is episode twenty six, fist bumping the Habibi brothers versus media live. Um, I should be back uh, on Tuesday over on Patreon for a podcast, and uh, I'll probably have another call in this week. And uh, once we we, we figure out uh, what the topic will be, so once again, thanks everyone. Thanks for taking your time. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for making this all worth it for us on a Sunday night. Um, have, have try to have a good week uh, without screaming at the Twitter machine. And uh, I'll see you guys over on Patreon on Tuesday.